One of the things I love about uh, our Christmas Eve service is we get to see some uh, extended families uh, at Christmas Eve services, some folks that are traveling in, and it's always a great reminder that Christmas is a time for families and that families are really important. Families, in a lot of ways, uh, shape our lives. Uh, they influence us in more ways than we can realize, and often they, they set the stage for our lives. Uh, I can think back to generations in my own family. Uh, in my family, I had great-great-grandparents that, that decided to move to Baltimore. And for generations, uh, our family has lived here in Baltimore. So even great-great-grandparents who I never met and never got to know at all set the stage for the life that I now live. Well, what the Gospel of Matthew does is it shows us that Jesus had ancestors that set the stage for his life as well. And if you look at Matthew's genealogy, one of the things that he's careful to mention are five different women in Jesus's family. Women who came before him, women who prepared the way. And if you've been with us throughout the Advent season, we've been looking at the stories of these women throughout the scriptures and we've seen that they've had incredibly unique stories. And so what we want to do tonight is just take one quick last look at Matthew's genealogy and to see how it carries us to Jesus Christ himself. So this is uh, Matthew chapter 1. I'm going to read a few verses here and then skip uh, to one verse in Luke's gospel. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, Abraham was the father of Isaac, and Isaac the father of Jacob, and Jacob the father of Judah, and his brothers, and Judah the father of Perez, and Zerah by Tamar, and Perez the father of Hezron, and Hezron the father of Ram, and Ram the father of Amminadab, and Amminadab the father of Nation, and Nation the father of Salmon, and Salmon the father of Boaz by Rahab. And Boaz, the father of Obed, by Ruth, and Obed, the father of Jesse, and Jesse, the father of David, the king. And David was the father of Solomon, by the wife of Uriah. And now skipping down through a bunch of different names to verse 16. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So all the generations from Abraham to David were 14 generations, and from David to the deportation to Babylon, 14 generations, and from the deportation to Babylon to the Christ, 14 generations. And now one verse in Luke's uh, gospel, Luke chapter 2, verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. This is God's word. So if you were paying attention, there were five women that were named and all of those other names. One woman's name was Tamar. We looked at her story a couple weeks ago. Her story reminds us that God is in the business of showing up in messy situations and in messy lives. And that is really good for you and I who sometimes feel like we live in messy situations and messy lives. It shows us that God isn't repelled by our messiness, but he is Emmanuel. He is God with us. He enters in. We looked at the story of Rahab. Her story reminded us that uh, God is, uh, brings about a salvation that is open to all people. 
that God's salvation uh, is open to all, regardless of race, regardless of, of ethnicity, regardless of socioeconomics, and that is also regardless of someone's checkered past. And Rahab certainly had a checkered past, but she experienced the salvation of God. We looked at the Ruth story. That showed us that God is in the business of reversals, of taking people who are in bad situations and turning those situations around. Stories of famine and insecurity being reversed and made into stories of abundance and comfort and security. And all of it hinges on the idea of redemption. This past Sunday, we looked at another messy story, the story of Bathsheba. It was a messy story that was full of scandal, and what it reminded us is that God's family welcomes sinners, that God's family isn't about resume building or any sort of spiritual accomplishment. Instead, at its essence, it is about repentance and faith. And all these women got to be the grandmothers of Jesus Christ. But all of them only looked forward to the Savior. They looked forward to the coming of the Messiah, to the coming of Jesus Christ. But they never had the chance to hold that baby in their arms. That gift would be reserved for one mother, and her name was Mary. I don't know about you, but we have a nativity scene in our house. Most people have nativity scenes in their homes, and you know what I'm talking about. There's a little baby there. There's shepherds all around and all that sort of stuff. And if your nativity scene is like ours, it is a very peaceful and serene scene. Uh, you've got Mary there holding the baby. The baby's in the center, but the baby never seems to be crying in our nativity scenes. It's this perfect little baby that's just sitting there. You've got Mary and Joseph. They're looking real happy. They're looking real holy. They're looking very spiritual. Uh, you've got animals sitting there at attention. You've got shepherds who are there. You've got wise men who are looking on. And so we have these nativity scenes. They are beautiful, but at the end of the day, they are grossly inaccurate about the true Christmas story. Because I think if you would have asked Mary and Joseph to characterize the birth of Jesus, they would have said that it is anything but peaceful and calm and serene. As we heard in the kids' story, it all started with an angel named Gabriel. And she came to Mary and had an announcement. And that announcement of Jesus' birth disrupted what was an otherwise typical ancient betrothal between Mary and Joseph. We learn from the Christmas story that Mary, a virgin, conceives by the power of God. We know that she was probably just a teenager when she was visited by this angel and given this message. And then there's Joseph, poor Joseph. He discovers that his betrothed has turned up pregnant. And yet he learns from a dream that what Mary said was right. She actually did conceive by the power of God. But Joseph and Mary had to recognize that no one else would have believed their story. No one else would have believed what they told them about the angel and about this message. So from this point on, this pregnancy, this child would be shrouded in all sorts of scandal and controversy from the very beginning. Everyone would whisper about this pregnancy for years to come. 
When we think about Jesus' birth, we recognize that it came at a less than opportune time. Poor Mary and Joseph, they had to travel during the last stages of Mary's pregnancy. And as at, once they arrive, they discover that there is no room for them at the end of their travels. So Jesus wouldn't be born in their home. He would be born in a borrowed space. And after the birth, just when they probably want to be alone, all of a sudden they get a knock on the door. And these random strangers, these random shepherds show up wanting to see this baby, telling all sorts of story about a, 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 a star in the sky that led them to this baby. And of course, this was only the beginning of the disruption for Mary and Joseph, and particular for Mary herself. When Jesus is presented at the temple, a man is there named Simeon. And Simeon looks at Mary and says, Mary, a sword will pierce through your soul. In effect, what Simeon was saying, Mary, this child is going to break your heart. This child is going to pierce your soul. And those words were never more true than when Mary stood at the foot of the cross watching her son being crucified unjustly. And so the disruptions were all over the place for Mary and Joseph, and yet despite all the chaos, despite all the disruption, Mary wasn't bitter. She didn't seem to be inconvenienced by all this. She didn't seem to be frustrated or angered by it. Instead, what Luke tells us is Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And so, yes, Jesus disrupted Mary's life. Yes, Jesus brought chaos and uncertainty and scandal to this young teenage girl. Yes, Jesus would bring her all sorts of untold pain and sadness, yet she treasured up all of these things. She treasured the birth of the Savior. She treasured the arrival of hope. She welcomed Jesus into her life just as she welcomed him into the world. She even says this at one point, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Mary's story is a powerful one. It's a powerful one because it shows us what it means for you and I to welcome Jesus into our lives. She had to welcome Jesus in a very unique way, and yet we are called to welcome Jesus into our lives as well. But what her story tells us this is this, welcoming Jesus is to embrace disruption. Welcoming Jesus into our lives means to embrace disruption because Mary's life was certainly disrupted by Jesus's arrival. After all, unintended pregnancies are often like that for people. But in many ways, the same is true for you and I, just perhaps in a different way. Because one of the things that the scriptures tell us is this, that when Jesus enters any life, not just Mary's, but when Jesus enters any life, 
it causes a bit of disruption. In fact, it causes all sorts of disruption. Sometimes that disruption is external. Maybe it's family or friends or people in our lives that just can't quite understand about this newfound life that we have found in Jesus. And so they cause all sorts of disruptions, but more often than not, the disruptions that Jesus cause are internal disruptions because Jesus doesn't let us live the way we lived our lives before. You see, most of us live our lives centered on ourselves. We live for our own plans. We live for our own desires. We live for our own wants. And then Jesus steps in and he shatters all of it. Now, we no longer call the shots. Jesus' plans, his desires, his wants, his commands become the drumbeat of our lives. And so we no longer live for ourselves. Instead, we live for him and we live for others. And all of this can feel very disorienting. All of it serves as a disruption to the way we've always lived our lives. C.S. Lewis said it best when he said, shattering is one of the marks of God's presence. Think about that. Shattering is one of the marks of God's presence. So it all is a disruption. It all is a shattering, but it is a shattering and disruption of the best kind. It might not be the disruption that we want, but it is exactly the sort of disruption that we most need. You see, Mary understood that to welcome Jesus was to welcome disruption, but she willingly and joyfully accepted that disruption because she recognized one second thing that perhaps might be the most important, and that is this, that welcoming Jesus is to treasure life. Welcoming Jesus is to treasure life. She calls Jesus her Savior because she recognized that her most fundamental need was to be saved. She needed to be saved from the pollution of sin and death that was in her heart. She needed to be saved from the judgment that she deserved. She needed to be saved from her own sinful self-orientation. She needed to be redeemed. She needed redemption, and she knew that that is exactly why Jesus came. To welcome Jesus is to treasure life. It is to be saved from spiritual death and sin. It is to receive eternal life, to receive life abundantly. And so, friends, if you are here tonight and you are weighing the claims of Jesus, if you're wondering the value of what it means to welcome Jesus into your life, if you're wondering what this baby born to Jesus thousands of years ago really means, not just means in the span of cosmic history, but what this baby means to you, then know this. To welcome Jesus is to embrace disruption. But welcoming Jesus also means treasuring life. Tamar 
Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, Mary, all were mothers who brought about Jesus Christ. He is the light that pierces through the darkness of our souls. Let's pray.